So we're in our parable series all throughout the summer. We're, we're looking at different parables uh, of Jesus that he spoke to us as we were on. Uh, he spoke to the disciples and, and those who were following him um, and those around him during the time he was on earth. And uh, there's so many, so many different parables that we can look at. And uh, we are blessed to, to hear from at least 10 of them this summer and through different speakers and We've already had um, a few speakers, uh, a couple speakers come. We had um, uh, Mark, uh, who is our, a member here, and we also had one, a couple of our missionaries come and bring the word. And this week, uh, we have the opportunity have the opportunity of introducing um, my fellow coworker and other boss, uh, James Carnell from the Hub, and uh, and uh, it's a pleasure to work with him. Uh, as we work with the uh, students in our community, um, as this, the hub is a community youth group supported by the EMA churches. So seven of our churches in Estes Park uh, support um, the hub ministries. And uh, James Carnell, he's, he has um, been in Estes. He's, he's preached. Uh, he's been the preacher at uh, Park Fellowship for 10 years. And um, is that right? 10 years? Um, yeah, and uh, uh, in 2013, he moved to the director, the pastor, youth pastor of the Hub Ministries um, by a unanimous, unanimous vote by all of the churches in the EMA, which is just amazing, um, uh, the, uni- the unity um, in that. And so he has the awesome opportunity to lead um, the youth group in Estes Park. And James does a lot of things in Estes Park. I'm going to read them as I did first service just because there are too many for me to remember. All right. So um, he, uh, let's see, he's a business owner. Uh, he's a police chapman, chaplain, middle school assistant football coach, varsity high school uh, assistant baseball coach, restorative justice boys circle leader, and a dad of three children. And uh, his three children are Caleb, Catherine, and Kinsey. And uh, his heart is to see all of the students uh, in Estes Park to embrace their identity in Jesus Christ. And so we want to give a big old welcome to James Carnell as he comes and gives us the message this morning. Amen. And Zach did that completely from memory. Wasn't that awesome? <laughs> it's not like I wrote that down or anything. Hey, how you guys doing? Good to see you. Turn the person next to you and say, hey, you look good. Yeah? Now turn the person on the other side, and you do too. Come on. Yeah, there we go. Everybody gets a compliment this morning. It is good to be here in God's house. Amen. It's good to uh, celebrate uh, together. Every, every Sunday we get together together as believers, and it's an awesome time. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, as I said, I am the head director of The Hub, and, and uh, we are exciting to be a part of this ministry. We are reaching uh, a lot of the unchurched students in Estes Park. Matter of fact, um, we have played around with the statistics of anywhere 60 to 75 percent of the students that are attending The Hub and The Huddle are unchurched, and that means they have no previous church background whatsoever when they come. We're having a lot of students that are coming that uh, uh, family life situations are are just horrible. They've never had a presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we are truly fulfilling the Great Commission and what we're doing. And we're super excited to be able to do that. Um, 
It is just really neat to be involved in the lives of the students and the adults and the parents and, and that in our, in our community. Uh, what's even more exciting is, is that uh, we're even having uh, uh, Larimer County and, and a lot of the city stuff, as you know, with restorative justice and other aspects, are constantly asking us to be involved on their committees because they said, hey, you, you guys are reaching your community. Can you help us? And um, it's gotten to the point where, we, as you've seen by what we're doing, it, I have to say no a lot of times, but it is just really exciting to, to know that God is making an inroads and an impact into our community through the ministries of the hub. And so that's based on your support of this ministry. And your church gives on a regular basis each month to this ministry. And we want to say thank you so much for that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. While you're turning there, we're going to be looking at verse 28 to 32. The parable of the obedient, disobedient sons. But I want to share, we just got back... Uh, uh, in the middle of June from our missions trip to Houston, Texas, we were able to take 14 students and four adult leaders to go and do inner city ministry there in Houston, Texas. Uh, it was hot. It was humid. And we got to sleep on the floor, which was exciting. Um, I don't know about you, but the older I get, I now know why my mom and dad always would complain and say, I miss my bed. I'm like, I know, man. 11 days, 8 days on a air up, blow up mattress is just way too long. I'm just telling you that right now. So I, was, I was, couldn't wait to get home and sleep in my own bed. But it was really awesome. We got to go uh, share uh, downtown ministry, street evangelism, which was super exciting. A lot of great, phenomenal testimonies about what God was doing. Uh, we had students, first time, a lot of them that had ever shared their faith on the street like that. Uh, one, one group came back with a testimony. They were, uh, got to go to the uh, uh, county jail there in Harris County. And uh, as they were standing outside praying on whom God would lead them to, they saw four people standing outside. And they went up to them and said, hey, can we pray for you? Uh, you know, not knowing what the response was. And all of a sudden, they all four of them said, yes, <laughs> we're about to turn ourselves in. We committed something really bad crime. And, and we don't know what's going to happen. Would you pray for us? And they got to pray for them, lead them in the plan of salvation right there on that spot. I mean, there were so many testimonies like that God uh, did. We, I had a group of five with me or four with me. And uh, we got on the light rail train going into downtown Houston, and uh, I forgot to grab our tickets for the light rail uh, from our leader as before I jumped on the train. I mean, you know, that's kind of, wow, James, smart move, great leader you are. Um, but, you know, so I get on the train, and I realized that he wasn't on the train with us. I thought he was jumping on right behind. He wasn't. And so I said, hey, let's just get off the next stop. I'll buy some tickets, you know, and we'll just, we'll continue on. We got off at the next stop, and, and as we uh, got off, I bought tickets, and, and there was one extra ticket in there. And I'm like, wow, bonus, you know, sweet, that's awesome. And so I had extra tickets, and all of a sudden I said, hey, hey, we're not here by accident. We asked the Lord to direct our steps. Let's see if there's anybody here that needs prayer. Felt led to go pray for this lady who's down at the end of the bench. And we went down there, and I said, hi, ma'am. I said, we're from CT Church, and we're just out here sharing God uh, with people and, and just want to know if you can use prayer for anything. We'd love to pray for you. And she began to weep, and she goes, you know what? You are my angels that I just prayed for. She goes, I was asking God to send somebody to me. She goes, I am at the end of my rope. I just lost my, my home. She goes, I have nowhere to go. I'm in this treatment program down here at the hospital, and I can't miss a treatment. I don't even have money for, uh, for a train ticket. And she goes, and I'm just despondent. I was asking God to send somebody to us. And I said, well, here we are. And so right then, we got to pray with her and encourage her. And I said, hey, 
I have a train ticket for you. I just had an extra one. And, and I said, matter of fact, and I pulled off because the, the change thing gave me all change instead of dollar bills. And I hate carrying. Anybody else hate carrying change in your pocket? I just hate it. So I grabbed all this, and I had like, it was like $18, $16, I think it was, was in my pocket. And I grabbed it all out, and I said, here, boom. And I said, you don't have to worry about train ticket for the next week. I said, there you go. God's taking care of you. And she just was overwhelmed. See, that's what it takes. You know, when we begin to walk in obedience like that with God, you never know what is going to happen. These students got to see that, and a lot of their lives were changed. So thank you for supporting and helping us out with this ministry. Amen? God bless. All right, now let's get in the sermon. That was the commercial. That does not include in my sermon time. So reset the clock. All right. I'm jealous on that sermon time, man, because they're back there going, stop. And I'm like, no. All right. Matthew 21, beginning of verse 28. Let's read with me the parable of the two sons. It says, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go, but later changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? Well, they replied, the first. Then Jesus explained the meaning. I'm glad that in certain parables, Jesus explains it. How many of you are glad he does that? Because some of them I'm going, what? You know, so he explains the meaning right here. And he says, I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him. While tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. So here's the story. Jesus gives an example. Two sons. A son that at first says, yes, I'll go. Or excuse me, no, I won't go, but then he ends up going. And then the second one that says, uh, yes, I will go, but then he, he doesn't go. And Jesus says the example here is, is not just lip service, but it's our obedience to his word that is important to us as followers of Christ. How many of you can know what I'm talking about? It's not, it's not just saying I'm a Christian. How many of you know going to church doesn't make you a Christian just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac? <laughs> or, or sitting in a garage doesn't make you a car, right? Going to, uh, but going to church, is, it has to be followed up with a lifestyle of obedience. And Jesus was speaking to a group of people that were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of that day. And, and they were well known for keeping the law. I mean, you know, yes, well, we'll tithe on the very uh, smallest portions of our income and they'll do all this. But Jesus said they forgot the most important things. And, and Jesus was telling me, he said, listen, the prostitutes and the tax collectors heard the words of John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they did. He said, but you claiming to have the knowledge of scripture don't, didn't repent. And he said, therefore, they are going to get into the kingdom before you will. So I believe Jesus is, is, wants us as the church today to take a lesson from the scripture today and believe that Jesus takes obedience very, very, very important. That he thinks it's a very important thing that we need to listen to, and he takes it very seriously. You see, Christ was a perfect example of obedience. 
The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, 8, that he, he demonstrated his obedience by taking on the form of a servant and sacrificing himself, obedient unto even death. And Jesus lived a life of complete surrender to the Father. And he says that that we are to follow that example of obedience and live a life like that. So I'm going to give you three things we're going to learn about obedience today. And number one, obedience is a choice. Obedience is a choice. Everybody say choice. Aren't you glad God gives us a choice? He didn't make us mindless robots that we had to just follow this programming without any deviation. He gives us opportunities to choose because he wants children. He wants followers who follow him out of obedience and love and not out of just sheer force. God created us with a will to choose each and every day. He gives us opportunities to choose life or death. He gives us opportunity to choose good or evil, right or wrong. Jesus demonstrated that in every day of his life, in obedience to the will of the Father. Where even at the very hour of his betrayal in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was sitting there facing death, facing uh, a torturer, and facing a cruel death on a cross. He said, not my will, but your will be done. The more we say yes to the will of the Lord, the more we say yet, the more we say yes to his word and his commandments in our life, the more abundant life we begin to understand and begin to live. Jesus says in John 10, 10, that the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I've come that you may have life, abundant life, life overflowing life to the fullest. God wants us to experience abundant life. And the only way we can truly experience all that he has for us, all of the abundance, all of the blessings, all of the goodness, all the things that he designed before we were ever created, before we were ever born, he says you've got to walk in obedience. You see, we learn, as Christ did, that as we obey and we begin to live obediently, it becomes a natural thing for us. And we experience all that he's promised. We experience the joy, the peace, the hope, the, the love, and everything that he has for us. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, one of Ted's favorite scriptures, God's plan for us is to prosper us and to bless us. He wants good things for you. And he says, in all things, in Romans 8, 28, in all things, God is working for the good of them that are called according to his purpose. How do we experience all this good? How do we experience all this blessings? By walking in obedience. You see, Psalm 139 talks about how God created us. He formed us. He knit us in a mother's womb. And all of our plans were laid out before we even took our first breath. And God says, listen, this is the plan for life. This is the plan for success. This is the plan for a hope. This is the plan for blessing in your life. If you will follow the plan that I have for you, if you will listen to my voice, obey my word, and walk in it, you will walk in everything that I have for you. And God has good things in store for us. Psalm 37, 3 says this. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. What does it mean to delight ourselves in the Lord? It means that we, we make him number one. We make him the greatest pleasure of our life. That, that God is the thing that we seek after, we long for, we pursue. That if we make God the number one thing in our life that he will then give us the desires of our heart. What is Matthew 6.33 said? We just learned it. 
that if we seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, he will give us what? Everything we need. So obedience brings us blessing. Obedience brings us into the promises of God in our life. And just as obedience brings us into blessing, disobedience brings what? Hardship, curse, destruction, all of those things. When I first became a follower of Christ and, and, and I had a radical experience with God, man, I, I made up my mind that I was going to follow God. You see, I, before I begot, uh, became a Christian, I was a really good sinner. I really was really good at it. You see, I grew up in church. I was a preacher's kid. Everybody said, oh, now that explains what's wrong with him, right? I was one of those preacher's kids, right? And I grew up in church, and I heard all the stuff that you weren't supposed to do, and I decided to go do it anyway, right? Because I was going to do what I wanted to do. And I, and I served the devil really, really, really well. And when I became a follower of Christ, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I mean, it was a radical, one of those transformational moments that I said, you know what? I serve the devil really well. I'm going to serve the God. I'm going to serve the Lord God even better. And I made up my mind. I was going to go all the way. You see, I'm a firm believer that if you're going to do something, do it with all your might. Right. And and so, you know, just as I was a a really good sinner, I'm going to be a really awesome follower of Christ. And you know what? If it says it in the word, I might as well do it because I want to live obedient to his word. And I begin to just give my life to him and I begin to listen to what he wanted me to do. I was planning on going into the Navy for their nuclear science program. And and God says, no, you're going to go in the ministry. And I'm like, well, that doesn't pay really well. And so. I said, but okay, God, if that's what you want me to do, I'll go in the ministry. And so I, I was going to go to a Bible college in, in Missouri, and, and I had all arranged and was going to go there because it was close to home. And all of a sudden, I, my youth pastor, who was in Texas at the time, invited me to his alma mater. And, and as I was sitting there in the college uh, chapel service, I felt the Lord speak to me and said, this is where you're going to go. And I said, I, I don't want to go there. I don't know anybody there. I have no clue. And it's hot in Texas. And, 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 and I don't, I don't want to be here. And plus, I, I don't know if my financial aid will transfer. I don't know. I, I don't have a job here. I mean, I had a lot of excuses. Anybody ever uh, play that game with God where you tell him all of your excuses and he just goes, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Just do what I tell you to do. So I said, all right, God, okay. I, 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 I got to have a job and I've got to have the financial aid. And, and Lord, if I'm going to be in the ministry, then I need, a, I need a ministry job. I mean, I'm a firm believer. If I'm going to be in a ministry, I need to start now and not wait until I get a title, right? And so I said, these are the three things I need, God. And if you can meet these things, then I'm going to, yes, I'll go to school here. And within two weeks, all of those things fell into place. Financial came through. Financial aid came through. Miraculous timing. It was amazing. Um, I had had limited experience in radio. I was helping my youth pastor do a radio job in in uh, uh, in Missouri, and I had we did it like an hour in the mornings. And all of a sudden, the the number one radio Christian radio station in the Dallas Fort Worth metroplex, uh, ninety four point nine KJIM, asked was volunteering or excuse me was listing for uh, DJs. And I said, well, hey, I've got experience. I did a couple of uh, commercials, you know, on my uh, radio station back home. So, you know, I'm a little naive, right? I mean, I'm going to go now and apply at this top Christian radio station in the Metroplex, Dallas-Fort Worth area. And, and, and I go in there, and she goes, well, great. Do you have a resume? And I'm like, a resume who? And I said, no. And she said, well, do you have a voice checker? You know, do you have anything that shows what work you've done? And I said, no. She goes, well, why are you here? And I said, 
I felt like the Lord told me to come here. It sounds good in your head, but when it says it, when you say it, you know, it was like, uh, and, you know, and she goes, well, okay, well, here, go in here and, and do some voiceovers and, and let me see what you sound like on the air. And I go in there and, and I just hit my head on it and I said, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Did I miss you? I am, you know, and I'm in there praying. I, I'm not recording. I'm just praying. And all of a sudden, this lady, my program director, walks in, and she is bawling. I mean, she's not, like, not just crying like tears. I mean, like, she's crying and blowing her nose. And I said, what's wrong? And she says, I don't know. She goes, but as I looked at your application, she goes, all of a sudden, she goes, something came over me, and I began to weep. And I felt like the Lord says, I need to hire you right now. Can you start Friday? And I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> don't know what I'm doing, but sure, I'll be there, you know. God opened that door, and then all of a sudden, that, uh, I said, okay, I need one more. I need a ministry job. I had visited this one church a week before, and I walk in this next Sunday morning, and the pastor walks up to me and says, hey, I need to talk to you. And I said, sure. He goes, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going into the ministry. I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to be, you know, da-da-da-da. And he goes, well, he goes, I want you to be my youth pastor. I said, you don't even know me. He goes, well, I feel like God spoke to me this week that you're supposed to be my youth pastor. Will you start? And I'm like, yes, sir. And that was the three-third thing that God said to do. And I'm telling you guys, when you walk in obedience, you don't have to push open a door or, or knock open a window or whatever that song says. You just need to say, okay, God, here I am. What do you want me to do? And he will open the doors for you. As you long, long to live in obedience, God makes the way straight for you. So obedience is a choice. You have a choice. Secondly, obedience is not conditional. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We don't get to choose what we want to obey. How many of you think it would be easy to be able to pick and choose? You know, there's certain things that are good in there, like all the blessing stuff. Yeah, I'll take that, God. Uh, You know, all the healings and all the miracles and all that. Oh, yeah, I'll take that. But love your enemies? (laughs) Seriously? Bless them that spitefully mistreat you? Really, God? I mean, no, I don't want to do that. You know, lay down your life? Oh, maybe about lay down somebody else's life. I'll give this person's life, but I don't know what about my life. You see, there are certain things that that are difficult that sometimes when God asks us to obey them, our flesh wants to cry out and say, no, scream, no, I don't want to do that. But guys, let me tell you something. Christianity is not a democracy. It's a theocracy. That means God rules. Amen? And so obedience, just like Jesus said, just like the Pharisees, they decided which ones they were going to obey. And Jesus said, nope, you can't do that. Obedience is not conditional. You see, Jesus' example was continual obedience. He said, I don't do anything unless I first see the Father doing it. John 5, 19. Jesus, even though he was the Son of God, did not do anything unless it was on complete obedience to the will of the Father. He didn't heal. He didn't do miracles. He didn't go preach. He didn't do anything until, unless it was in obedience. You see, conditional obedience says, I get to choose. Conditional obedience says, I'll do what I like, and I won't do what I don't like. But 1 Peter 1.14 says this, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God chose you is holy. 
For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Now, what does holy mean? Holy means dedicated, consecrated, set apart. God says, listen, guys, I I want you to to give your life to me completely. I, I want you to say yes and not but or if or maybe, but yes, Lord, to your will. Yes to your plans. Yes to your word. I will, I will live like you want me. I am setting myself apart as an instrument for God. You see, partial obedience, we cannot expect the full blessings of God if we try to just partially obey. Partial obedience is rebellion. Partial obedience is rebellion. Like the son who said, I'll go, but he didn't go. He paid lip service. But he didn't actually follow through. There was no fruit in his life. Don't raise your hand. But how many of you know somebody that claims to be a Christian, but their life really doesn't line up with it? Yeah. They, they may say it. They may, yeah, profess it. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Right? I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. But you know what? It is, it's, it's imperative that we understand that obedience happens, has to happen. There has to be fruit in our life. 1 Samuel 15 is a story of where, where Saul was uh, commanded by, by Samuel to, to go and destroy the armies. And, and he said, don't keep anything back, but destroy everything, right? And all of a sudden, Samuel comes into the camp, and what does he find out? He finds out that Saul did not obey. He obeyed partially. He killed most of them. He killed most of the enemy, but he saved the king, and he saved all the best of their fruits and all the best of their animals and the best of the gold and the silver and 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 samuel confronts him and he says what are you doing and saul says well i mostly obeyed right how many think that's going to fly when we stand before god one day and say well god i mostly obeyed he goes okay then you mostly get into heaven (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't want that right you wouldn't you wouldn't like that and so he says this he says this to saul he says what is more pleasing to god your burnt offerings and your sacrifices or your obedience to his word. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than the offering of fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness is bad as worshiping idols. Because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Wow. Saul lost his kingship because of partial obedience. God says, I don't want your partial obedience. I just want you to say yes. Now, I'm not saying that obedience is always easy. How many of you have ever heard pastors and preachers tell all the stories and, and the success stories and how great God moved and all this? Kind of, you know, but, but there's a lot of times in our life where it's just the mundane life of just every day, right? And, and we have to understand that even in those moments, it's important that we continually do and obey what the Lord would have us to do and to obey. And say, God, I will do what you want me to do. I know sometimes it's, uh, it, it's easy to want to make shortcuts and, and, and to want to skimp around the things that are difficult. Just like I said earlier, when Jesus was in the garden, you know, I mean, here he's, he's lived this whole life of obedience and, and, and he's done everything that the Father had asked him to do. And now he's facing this moment of where he's about to experience unbelievable cruelty at the hands of the Romans. I mean, his literal, his flesh was ripped from his body. 
Scripture says in Psalms that he could actually count his bones as he was hanging on the cross. That's how cruelly he was tortured. And then the cruel death of asphyxiation on the cross. And he's, sat in, and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's kneeling, and he's praying, and he's crying out. And it said that his sweat became his drops of blood. That, the scientists have told us that that, that means that his capillaries and his, and his skin actually ruptured, and so blood began to pour out where he was sweat would normally pour out. And he was under such stress and such uh, torment of soul that he was crying out, and he said, Father, listen, if, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I know what's about to happen. But, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You see, Jesus had, most, had obeyed his whole life. But if he would have not done that last most important step, where would we be today? You see, he was fully obedient to death on the cross. And it's purchased our salvation. So lastly, it leads me into the last point. Number three, obedience may cost you everything. You see, Jesus gave it all. He sacrificed his life. Many of the apostles, most of the apostles, gave their life at, at, at cruel torture and, and, and martyrdom. Many followers of Christ throughout history have died in horrible ways. And lost everything because of their commitment to obey and to follow Jesus Christ. Now, God may not ask you to be a martyr or to sell all you have and move to a foreign country to be a missionary. But he has called you to lay down your life and to live every day as if you were dead to self and alive to Christ. Matthew 16, verse 24 says this. He said, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for my sake, you will save it. Jesus says, you got to die. You got to die. You got to give it up. You got to give it, surrender it all. When we have died with Christ, we have ceased to have rights. How many of you have ever heard somebody as a Christian or as a believer say, well, I have a right to defend myself. I have a right to. I, you ever heard that? I've said that before, you know, when I was going through something difficult. God, I don't deserve this. Anybody ever said that to God? How dare we? But I've been guilty of it many times. I don't deserve this, Lord. I don't deserve all this hardship and this difficulty. You see, when we have died to Christ, when we have surrendered our life to him, and we're no longer walking in the way that we seem right, but that way that the Lord tells us is the right way, because there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. But when we seek not our own understanding or our own way, but in every way we acknowledge God and we allow him to direct our path, he gives us what we have need of. You see, it doesn't feel good in our flesh to obey. Does it? Because our, our flesh wants to rebel. We're rebellious people. I mean, we're about to celebrate a day of rebellion, <laughs> July 4th, right? It's, that's what it is. I mean, it was a, a day of rebellion. We're, 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 we, are, we are people who want our own way. We people who want to do it the way I think I should do it. 
But Romans 12 and 2 says this. It says that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Being not conformed any longer to the pattern of the way and thinking of this world, which is very selfish and rebellious, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove the good and perfect, acceptable will of God in our lives. You see, we're called to be alive but dead because <laughs> dead people have no rights, right? Have you ever had a dead person argue with you when you, you know, nope, they just don't do it too well, do they? They just pretty much let you do what they want to. When you are dead to self, then God has his way in your life, and he can choose to lead and direct you in the way that he wants to. It may not always be something that you would choose, as I said, but we're like soldiers in an army. We go where our commanding officer tells us to go, and we do what he tells us to do, obeying the orders. Are we willing to lay down our life and to do what God tells us to do, no matter the cost? Maybe it doesn't cost you your life physically, but maybe it costs you your reputation. Maybe it costs you, I don't know, embarrassment. Maybe it causes you to get out of your comfort zone and to do something foolish in the world's eyes for the sake of Christ. As I shared about the team earlier that went on the evangelistic, went on the evangelistic outreach in Houston with us, and it stretched a lot of these students. Most of them have never, had never shared their faith before, and, and, and especially in America. It's easy to do in a foreign country, right? But doing it in America, you know, a, uh, where, you know, people are, you know, it's hard. And, and they were able to get out of their comfort zone and share their faith and minister to people in ways that they never thought possible. And, you know, that's what the Christian life is supposed to be. We're called uh, to the Great Commission. It's not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission. It's to go into all the world and preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That's what we're called to do. We're not called just to have a holy huddle in church every Sunday and then, and then pat each other on the back and tell each other how good we are. But it's to go into the world and tell the lost who are dying in their sin that Jesus Christ is the only way and the only hope for their lives. We're called to go, no matter how difficult it is. You see, every time God asks us to do something that we don't want to do, I know our flesh wants to cry out because we like to be comfortable. Anybody like me? You like to be comfortable. Uh, A few years ago, I'm going to close with this story, but a few years ago, um, y'all know that, as shared earlier, I'm the director of the Hub Student Ministries, and four years ago, there was no such thing as the Hub. It was, uh, it was an idea, it was a concept that, uh, that uh, one of our pastors and, and had, a, had a thought, and let me just share leading up to that what had happened. Uh, back about a year before we started uh, talking about the Hub, uh, the Lord began to impress on me that I was, my time was done at Park Fellowship. We had planted the church and, and been there for 10 years, as I said, and, and, and I began to pray about who was going to replace me, and, and I said, well, Lord, I need, I need an associate pastor, and, and, and he says, I've got this worked out, and it was just a whole miraculous set of circumstances how that worked out, and, and then he said, on August 20th, you're going to resign your church, and I said, well, great, praise God, new step in life, God might, you know, I've always gone where you've told me to go, where are we going? Not a zilch, zip. Heavens were silent. And I said, well, God, it would be really nice, you know, to know, have a job or, you know, know what I'm going to be doing after this. So how about give me a little hint, you know, what, what's going on? And all I heard was the word, just trust me. 
Just trust me. Met with our board, told the board what was happening. They said, well, where are you going? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> don't you just love uh, that answer? I don't know. And, you know, I mean, I could have made up something like, you know, I'm going to be a, you know, a rocket scientist or something like that. I just said, hey, I have no clue what God has in store for me next. And they're like, well, you know, you can stay on as long as you want. And I said, nope, not going to do it. God told me to resign August 20th. August 20th is the deadline. I said, I don't know anything else other than that. I said, so I'm going to take that first step of obedience. I'm resigning. My resignation is official. I kept thinking that there was going to be a job offer or something like that come up, you know, nothing. The week before I was in, our, uh, our superintendent uh, from our fellowship was speaking at a, at a convention, and, and I heard him challenge us with a message. When was the last time you did something so ridiculous for God that it made you laugh? And I thought, well, I am doing it right now. I'm resigning without a job. Okay. And, and I began to just hear God say, wait and see what's next. Well, that week we met as the EMA pastors. And I don't know if you guys know what's going on in Estes Park, but a group of pastors have been meeting for years now. And we've been praying together. Started off praying once a month. Then we started praying every Thursday together. Then we started doing, you know, Christmas services and Easter services and Good Friday services. And we started doing uh, citywide outreaches. And, and, and God was just bringing such a unity among the brothers. It was just an amazing. We knew that we had differences of opinion on, on interpretation of Scripture, but we were all okay with that. The central thing was the central thing, Jesus Christ, the only way. And so we began to just, uh, uh, just have a great time of fellowship. And all of a sudden at this meeting on this Thursday before the Sunday that I was to resign, uh, one of the pastors said, you know what? He goes, I feel like we need to consider doing something really crazy. And he said, and that's doing a citywide youth ministry. He said, well, you know, Pastor Aaron is stepping up to uh, be senior pastor. You know, my pa- youth pastor's leaving, and this youth pastor left, and Park's pastor, youth pastor left. And they said, you know, we need to do something that just is mind-boggling, and God is doing such a, a unified thing. What do you think about doing one youth group for the whole town? Well, you know, that just started a lot of chatter and a buzz around the table as pastors begin to talk about it. And, and, and all of a sudden, they turned to me and said, James, what do you think? And I said, well, you know, we did something similar. Tracy was part of that years ago when I first moved to Estes Park before we even started the church. We started meeting with students, and, and we just started having uh, uh, youth services, and God was in it. Kids were being saved. It was awesome. And I shared that testimony. And they're going like, wow, this is awesome. And they begin to just talk more and more. And all of a sudden, one of the, the Baptist pastor, or Pastor Howell said, he goes, I've got an idea. He goes, I know it's a crazy, stupid idea. He goes, but what about James and Ginger? They're not doing anything after Sunday anyway. We all laughed just like you did. We thought that was funny. But all of a sudden, everybody just stopped. And everybody said, yeah, that's it. And they begin to just get all excited and talk. And, and, and on my mouth, literally, I'm not kidding you, it's on the table. I'm just. Because it, all of a sudden, God is saying, this is it. This is the next step. You didn't know it, but I had it all along planned for you. And they said, well, James. What do you think? And I said, well, I'll have to ask my wife. Very smart man I am. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll have to ask my wife, but I think this is God. And they said, well, we need an answer in 24 hours. Because so. <laughs> we're all going to announce it to our churches on Sunday. And sure enough, God brought this thing into play. Pastor Aaron put it so carefully and so wonderfully. He said, let me tell you something, guys. He said, think about this. He goes, the E-Free Church pastor has this concept, 
and the Baptist pastor recommends the charismatic pastor, and we're all in agreement, this is God. He said, this is God. And let's see, we can see what God has been doing in this ministry. When you take that step of obedience and say, God, not my will, but yours, it's amazing what God will do. And it's amazing how many lives have been impacted through this ministry so far, and we're not done yet. And how many families have been impacted for the sake of Jesus Christ. When you walk in obedience, God does amazing things in you and through you. I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, we are just so grateful for this opportunity to come today and to break open the bread of life and the truth that it contains. And I pray today, Lord, that we would leave here changed. Not the same, but Lord, in areas of our life where we have had partial obedience, help us, Lord, to repent and to walk in full obedience. Not being like the first, uh, the second son who said, yes, I'll go, and then didn't. But like the first who said, I'll go. Maybe he did, wasn't so uh, you know, rambunctious and excited at first, but he said, I'll go. I pray, Lord, let this church be a church of goers, of doers. Not just paying lip service and following you, but Lord, that their lives are laid down and living examples of what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask it in your name and we give you praise. Amen. So I was challenged to put down some things that we can practically take from this week. Jesus said the two most important commandments that all the other commandments hang on are these. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So I thought, what a good way to show our love for God than to write a thank you love note to God. How many of you know the Lord's been good to you? How many of you have written down a a note or a thank you note to God recently and told him how much you are grateful for his goodness? Do you have food on your table? Do you have house over your head? Do you have clothes to wear? Write them down. I tell you, I did this. I took this challenge one time and I had pages of stuff. And I was weeping at the end of it, just rejoicing how good God is. Not only that, but I challenge you to do something else. I challenge you to uh, go find somebody that needs encouragement and be their encourager today. Ask the Lord to lay somebody in your heart. It may be here in this town. It may be somebody a thousand miles away. And God says, I want you to call them and be an encouragement. You know, every time I do this, I am amazed at how right on and right on time it was. I called the other day. I called a guy, a pastor, and I said, man, I was just calling you to encourage you. I felt Lord laid you on my heart. And he says, wow. He goes, I was just sitting here asking God for something. And he goes, and it's been silent. And he goes, this is the first word that I've heard from God. Thank you so much for being God's voice to me. Call somebody and encourage them. Write them on notes. Lastly, we have 5 million people scheduled to come through Estes Park this summer. You know what? There are so many opportunities to pray for people. Just like these students did. I had this one girl. Did I, I shared the last service. She, we challenged her to, to do this. And, and this past week, uh, she shared this testimony with me that um, she was at Walmart. And it was around midnight, she said, and it was late. And there was nobody in line. And she walks up to the check stand. And she was remembered what we were challenged to do. And she felt the voice of the Holy Spirit prompt her and say, share with this guy your faith and she asked him how everything was going and he began to tell her some things that were going on in his life and he was having some difficulties and she began to share her testimony and she said can I pray with you and can I tell you about my Jesus 
And she did right there at the checkout line at Walmart in Longmont. When I heard that story, I'm like, yes! You know, because you were, we're just hoping, you know, that the things that we're teaching and the life we we're pouring into makes a difference. Find somebody. It could be at Safeway. How many of you know you got plenty of time in the checkout lines right now? <laughs> Ask them. Just be bold and say, can I pray for you? What can I pray for you today? What, what are you going through? And then, do you know Jesus? If you don't have that hope, let me introduce him to you. That's our challenge to you this week. May God bless you. Thank you for so much for having me.